Well, there was this kindergarten teacher, and uh, <clears throat> she was supervising the uh, art exercise. She was just going around the class and checking up on what students were drawing. And, you know, she'd stop at a student, and the uh, student would look up, kind of smile, and the teacher would smile back, and she would compliment the child and encourage the child on what they were drawing. And so she came up to this little girl, and this little girl didn't even look up. She just continued to draw, and the teacher said, well, what are you drawing? the little girl in kindergarten, and she said, well, I'm drawing God. And, uh, of course, the teacher was a little surprised. She said, well, nobody knows what God looks like. And the little girl, without missing a beat, said, they will in a second. (laughs) So you would say that that child has a very healthy self-esteem and and self-worth. Well, we, in fact, may not know what God does look like, but by the time we finish the book of Philippians, we certainly should know what God is like and what he expects of us. So this morning, as we continue our study in the book of Philippians, I've entitled the message, Introductions Matter. Lord, I just thank you for the incredible worship that points us to Jesus Christ. He is our only hope. And I pray as we move towards communion, we'll recognize why he is our truly our only hope. Only he can save us. Only he can deliver us. And There may be somebody here this morning who doesn't know Jesus. I pray by the end they will, and they'll pass from death to life. I ask, as always, that you would fill me from the soles of my feet to the crown of my head, and that the words that I speak would be from your word, words of life. And so I'm just thanking you now what's going to happen here in the next several minutes, and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Skip, can you play the video? Life is hard. Every day, anxieties, sin, worries, and fears cloud our vision. They consume us. They rob us of our ability to see clearly, our ability to live. But what if we don't have to live this way? What if we were meant to experience life differently? What if we're meant to live lives full of color, joy, peace, and vitality? What if we're meant to live life in HD? Well, there you get a quick overview of the book of Philippians, and uh, like I said, uh, you might say that Philippians is about seeing life from God's perspective, seeing life from God's perspective, and the Apostle Paul opens his letter this morning in Philippians chapter 1 and verses 1 and 2 this way. Skip, can you put up those verses? This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ. We went through that. Jesus, I am writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi, who belong to Christ Jesus, including the elders and the deacons. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace, and may he give you peace. So Paul tells us that he's writing to the holy people or the saints in Philippi. And I wanna, we're going to talk about holy saints and exactly what that means. But I want to talk about he's writing to those people in Philippi. And you might not know much about Philippi, but Skip, can you put up the map? 
Philippi was actually located in what we would now call modern-day Greece. And Philippi, as far as ancient cities go, was not huge in terms of its population, but it was an important city. And believe it or not, a modern equivalent to the city of Philippi would be Smalbany. Albany, that's right. Albany's not, you know, big in terms of its population, but it is a significant or an important city. And the reason for this is that Albany is the capital of New York State. New York State has the third largest economy in the country, and it has the 13th largest economy in the world. So you would say that it is rather significant. Philippi, on the other hand, also is not large in terms of population, but it actually, the map doesn't show, but it was located on the Ignatian Way, which was perhaps almost the major economic artery in the Roman Empire. So that made Philippi a very, very important city or colony in Rome. But there's also another interesting parallel between Philippi and Albany. Both of them are secular cities or worldly cities. Does anyone know what the key feature is of a worldly or a secular city? Well, again, like I said, it's always good to be part of a Pentecostal church. Black church, they they know it's the participation. But the key feature would be the people of this world are worldly they actually think that this world matters. They, they pour their lives into this world because they think it's important that actually what's occurring in this world, you know, in the end, is going to have some real, real ramifications. And, and they're kind of fooled by that. And uh, that's what really designates a city of the world or a worldly city. The people in it put a lot of stock in this world. It's interesting, though. Paul wrote to the church at Colossae, which is kind of a sister church to Philippi, maybe three or 400 miles away, and he wrote this in Colossians chapter 3 and verses 1 through 4. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. Have you ever heard of the saying, that person is so heavenly minded, they are no earthly good? I want to tell you that is from the pit of hell. The real truth is... Some people, and most people, are really so earthly minded that they're no earthly good or heavenly good. Have you ever thought about it? A person of the earth is so interested in themselves. They're interested in achieving their goals, their dreams, and their desires. They're really not much help to anybody, and they certainly aren't any help to God. They're really just focused on themselves. Whereas, on the other hand, a person who is truly a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, we've been crucified, Paul said, to this world. We realize this world doesn't have anything really to offer. In the end, it's just all going to burn, right? It's all going to burn, and we recognize that. So we're freed up from this world, trying to be something in this world. We can actually help people. We truly can actually help people, and we, can, we have the time to do it, and we can share with them the most important thing, which is what this life is about. You know, and it's kind of interesting. Several weeks ago, I was in California, and I was helping my mother. She moved from uh, Minneapolis to California, probably her final spot. She's in Oakmont Manor, which is kind of an independent assisted living place. 
kind of an intriguing place because I realize there's really not much difference between the rich and the poor. And then you know what the, rich, the difference is? The rich are just going to die with, with a, a lot of things in their two rooms. And the poor just die poor. But it's really not a whole lot of difference. We could talk about that more. But anyhow. So here I am, uh, and I'm in California, and I'm having dinner one night with my oldest sister, who is a doctor at Kaiser Permanente with my mom. And, and my, my sister's actually more humble than I've ever seen her before. And, uh, you know, she uh, says to me at, at the dinner time, she goes, you know, uh, Frank, um, she, I'd like to ask you a question. I said, awesome, no problem. She goes, you know, I'm 61 years old now. And I'm thinking of retiring from Kaiser. She's a head gynecologist there and head baby doctor. And uh, she says, I'm going to retire, I think, in three years. She goes, I realize that Kaiser's going to go on after me. I said, roger that. And she said, you know, the funny thing is I think about it. I, I bring babies into the world, but I realized, guess what happens to those babies? And I said, what? She goes, they die. I said, bingo. And she said, you know... Uh, you know, dad died two years ago. See, that was her hero. My dad was her hero. That's who she modeled her life off of. And she said, he's dead. Mom's got one foot in the grave, probably not going to live much longer. And she goes, I can see the end of the road for my own life. She goes, can you tell me what this life is all about? And I said, I think I can help you. And I quoted for her Colossians chapter 1, or Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, that, Terry, it's not about this world. It's about eternity. And then I quoted her my favorite verse, which is John 14, 6. I said, you know, Jesus made an incredible statement. He said, I am the way, not a way. He's the only way. He says, I am the truth, not a truth among truths. And I'm only I can give you real life. Only I can give you real purpose and meaning. We talked for about a half hour. And at the end of the half hour, I said, now, Terry, are you finally ready to surrender? She's 61 years old. Are you finally ready to surrender your life to Jesus Christ? And you know what she said to me? She thought about it for a moment. You can see the wheels were turning. She looks at me and she goes, no, not yet. I'm not ready to give up control of my life. I still have some things that... I want to do. See, she's a poster child for a person of this world. And that leads me very quickly to the second thing that the Apostle Paul wrote. He said, I'm not only writing to the people in Philippi. He says, to the holy people in Philippi, to the saints in Philippi. And, you know, a lot of times when we hear the word holy or saints, we tend to think in terms of moral purity, ethical purity. We think in Philippi there was a bunch of Mother Teresas running around. But see, that's not really what Paul is driving at. The Greek word for holy is hagias. You know what it literally means in the Greek? Holy. Not much help, is it? But in classical, in classical Greece, it tended to mean to consecrate, to dedicate oneself to a God. So what Paul was saying to the people in Philippi, to the saints in Philippi, is that you are to dedicate yourself, you are to consecrate yourself to the creator God of the universe. That's what Paul was saying to them. Now, you know, a lot of times uh, we, we, we don't quite understand that. 
See, we tend to think in America that that's true for the professional. You know, the missionary, the pastor, they're the ones that are to be consecrated, you know, dedicated to God. But the people in the pews, in the chairs, well, you're, you're, you guys are just fans, right? And your job is to cheer on the professionals like, go, Frank, go. Do it for God. Do it for God. Yay, Frank, right? You get the pom-pom. Yeah, that's your job, you know? And sometimes you'll even get excited. You might even get up and you might even clap. That's the job. But see, ding, thanks for playing. Paul says, you're holy. If you're a believer, no, no, you're holy, you're dedicated, you're consecrated to God. Now you say, well, what does that mean practically? Well, let me tell you what it means practically. You know, Chuck Swindoll, Skip, can you put up that picture? Chuck Swindoll, I talked about several weeks ago. Chuck Swindoll is a well-known pastor, teacher, speaker. In fact, he was uh, past president of Dallas Theological Seminary, one of the seminaries that I went to. And Swindoll was very fond of telling a story about a Christian man. He was a Christian businessman, and he said this businessman began a business, and, you know, he, he, he was kind of a type A personality, you know, nervous, anxious. And, and so starting your own business really is kind of a scary thing when you think about it. I mean, I think it's only one out of ten make it, actually. So this guy's really anxious and, and, and whatnot. But believe it or not, the business begins to grow. And actually, things get worse for him as things grow because you get more problems. You know, you got, you got to hire employees and payroll and, and all the things that, that, that go with it. So, I mean... This guy's pretty much got a peptic ulcer now. He's not sleeping at night. I mean, he's really anxious. He's really worried. For 15 years, he lived his life like this. And one afternoon, he got sick and tired of being sick and tired. Anybody ever got there where you're just sick and tired of being sick and tired? He really, he got to that point in his life where he was sick and tired of being sick and tired. It was afternoon, late afternoon. He gets down on his hands and knees. And he says, God, forgive me for making my business God. From this point forward, I'm going to give you the business. I'm going to give you, I dedicate, I consecrate this business to you and to your sovereign will. You do with it whatever you want. And then he got up and he never felt better in his life, never had such a sense of peace. In fact, he went to bed earlier than ever before. And he went right to sleep. About one in the morning, suddenly the telephone rings. Ding, ling, ling, ding, ling, ling. He answers it. And he hears his panicked voice on the other side. Fire! Fire! The whole place is on fire. The man says, all right. Puts the phone down, calmly gets up, gets himself dressed, gets in his car, drives to his business. And sure enough, there are a whole bunch of fire engines there. And the, and the business is just burning up. It's on fire. Guy gets out of his car, he goes, uh, you know, a short distance away, and he's like this, and he's just looking, and he's got a smile on his face. One of his employees sees and makes a beeline for him. He sees the smile on his face. He goes, what's the matter with you? What are you smiling about? How can you be so calm right now? Your whole place, the whole business is going up in fire. And the man said, well... You won't believe what happened. But yesterday afternoon, I got on my hands and knees and I said, Lord, this is your business now. 
And let me tell you something, he said to the employee, he said, and God can do whatever he wants with his business. If he wants to burn his business up, then that's his business. Now, you might think that's insane. No, you might think that that is absolutely, totally insane of the man. But see, that's exactly what you and I are supposed to be doing. You see, if we are truly a born-again believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, then our lives are to be totally and absolutely dedicated to him in everything that we touch. So as we move to communion, I just want to give you a a quick challenge here, all right? And the challenge is this. In the Old Testament, there was a person called the high priest. Skip, can you put up that picture? Now, look at that. The high priest, you know, had all kinds of vestments and whatnot. I mean, he's he's got... Vestments on vestments, but what's of particular interest to me is, do you see on his forehead, that's an totally, it's a, it's a 24 karat, as far as I know, gold band, all right? And on that gold band that goes around his head are three words. Anybody know what those three words are? Holy, hey, we got a Pentecostal in the back. <laughs> all right, praise God. Holiness unto or holy unto Hashem, holy unto God. That means that that high priest was totally and absolutely dedicated and consecrated to God. That's your picture of you. We are called priests in the New Testament. You are absolutely and totally dedicated to God. And you know what? Everything that man touched, everything he had was totally and absolutely dedicated to God. So you know what that means? That means if you're married, your spouse, not only are you dedicated and consecrated to God, but your spouse is consecrated and dedicated to God for his purposes. How are you treating your spouse? Are you treating him as if it's God's property? Yes, no? Are you abusing your spouse? How about your kids? My kids. No. No. God's kids, he gave them to you. Do you treat them like they're his property? How about your job? Well, you don't understand, pastor. I'm a a big wig where I am. Well, you're going to be a small wig now. The job, he gave it to you, by the way. No, no, he gave you the job, he gave you the spouse, he gave you the kids. You dedicated him. You say, here it is, I want this morning, I'm telling you, Lord, here it is, this job, I recognize you gave it to me. I now dedicate it to your service. I work for you, your glory. Bank account, oh, now we're getting nasty. Well, I made the money, Pastor, it's mine and I tithe 10%. Well, kudos for you. Hate to tell you, but God gave you all your money. He wants you to dedicate the bank account to him, to his glory. Are you you, you getting the picture now? I'm going to tell you something. Something tremendous is going to happen here because we got to finish up. we got to move to communion. Now, I'm going to tell you flat out you can't do it. Introductions matter. See, we just glaze over the introduction. And you know what it says after you're holy and a saint? Anybody remember? Grace. See, we, oh, wow, that's just, you know, that's just an opening part of the life. No, no, no. Grace, you know what grace is? It's power. It's power to do the will of God. 
It's not tolerance, it's power. And Paul says, I pray that God give you grace. Because you know what? You and I can't give up control. See, you know what my, the problem my sister had? She couldn't give up control. Oh, it's the, hard, no, it's the hardest thing in, to, in the world to open up your fingers and give up control and consecrate. And he says, I pray that you experience the grace of God. And so what you've got to do today is say, Lord, see, he loves when you're transparent. I'm powerless, and I want to give up control, and I, 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 I want to dedicate these things to you. See, if that's within you to want to do that, he'll give you the power then to do it. No, it's beautiful. Something really beautiful then happens when you do that. Do you know what the, the, the incredible thing happens? See, we missed the introduction. What's the next thing it says? Skip. And peace. Peace follows. Shalom. How many in here are desperate for shalom? You're desperate for peace on the inside. Well, it's not going to happen until you consecrate yourself and you dedicate yourself and the totality of your life and you'll do that by the grace of God and when you finally do oh no when you finally do it you will know peace a shalom this world can't possibly know father as we move towards communion there's no better morning than this morning, than for each one of us to say right now, right here, this place, Lord, forgive me. I dedicate myself, I consecrate myself to you. Everything in my life, from my spouse to my children to my job to my bank account to my time, I dedicate and consecrate to you. From this moment forward, it's yours. And everything I do with each one of these things will be the recognition that you own it and I'm working for you and your glory. May this be perhaps the finest hour for so many people here this morning. I ask this in your precious name. Amen. Skip, can you play the video?